Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you at this moment, God, asking for a word, God. Speak to our hearts. You know the need of your people, God. You know all things, Lord. Anoint my mind, my lips, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we'll be reading from Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 25 and 27. Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27. Amen. I'll give you a few moments. It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and I will keep my judgments and do them. Amen. Uh, can we put verse 25 up there, brother? There we go. Uh, 26. There we go. 26. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Let's read that one one more time. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Amen. You guys may be seated. Amen. So... The Bible here is telling us that God is going to give us a new heart. I don't know if you guys remember, but before uh, when we came to the Lord, we had a stony heart. Amen. We had no, uh, no feelings, no remorse, no compassion. I don't know if you guys remember, but God gave us a new heart. And he transformed our hearts, you know, there was a stony heart, you know, a heart, a hard heart. And he gave us a flesh heart. Now, the Bible, uh, when, it, when it's talking about the uh, heart, it's talking about the center of a person's reason. It's talking about the, the will, the, the intellect, the, uh, where the feelings come from, the character. So the personality, so it's not referring to the uh, physical heart, you know, the heart that we have that pumps blood is not referring to that heart, but it's referring to the will, the intellect. So that's what the Bible is referring to. Uh, and if your heart, if your physical heart start, stops working, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. <laughs> It is essential that your heart works. Well, when the Bible uh, is referring to our spiritual heart, if our spiritual heart stops working, what do you think is going to happen to your spiritual man? He's going to die. So your spiritual heart needs to be pumping all the time. It needs to be working all the time in order for you to, for your spirit to be alive. Uh, my mother-in-law uh, just passed away and uh, 
they, the doctors asked, uh, you know, the siblings, my wife and her sisters and her brothers, if she wanted to donate any parts of her body. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tell my wife, when I die, they could take whatever they want. I, I don't care, because I, I won't need, I won't need my, my, my physical body anymore. So if they want to take my heart, my lungs, go ahead, take them. Because I ain't going to need them anymore. I don't mind. But, you know, there's people that mind. But, you know, the uh, science, the, the medical science has advanced uh, greatly in, in the last years. It has advanced so much that uh, literally the doctors can get a man that has deceased, that has died, and if that, you know, that, that victim that passed away uh, signed, you know, uh, to, to, to be able to donate his body parts, the doctors will cut him open and the doctors have the ability to get that heart from the deceased and get it out and they're able to do a transplant put it into a victim that has a weak heart. They're able to do a, a heart transplant. You know, that's how uh, advanced our, our, our uh, uh, medicine is. But when doctors do a heart transplant, they, you know, there's some requirements that, they, that the, the patient has to go through. The patient receiving the heart transplant, there's some requirements that he has to fulfill. Uh, first of all, the doctors have to make sure that the heart is compatible. You know, the, the blood has to be compatible, uh, the heart, the size, and, and certain other things. Uh, and then after they verify that it is compatible, then they, they'll uh, do the, the heart transplant. But there is a process. There's a process uh, when they, when the doctors uh, do the heart transplant, uh, there has to be, uh, there's some requirements that they look for uh, in the patient receiving the, 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 the transplant. They require two things from the, from the, uh, the person in need of a heart or, or any other organ, but today we'll be uh, speaking about heart. But they require that that person in need of a heart, number one, that that person has a desire to keep on living. And number two, that that person is going to take the medicine, the anti-rejection medicine for the rest of his or her life. Because... Once you receive a transplant, uh, you have to take the anti-rejection medicine for the rest of your life, forever. Because uh, the, the new body, the new, the new body part that they put into your body does not belong there. So naturally, your body is going to want to reject it. So therefore, they give you medicine that you have to take for the rest of your life. So those are the two requirements. Number one, uh, that you have a desire to live, and number two, that you're willing to take the anti-rejection medicine for the rest of your life. The heart uh, 
has uh, valves or arteries in the back part of the heart. There's, uh, there's, there's valves and arteries that go to different uh, parts of the body. And the heart pumps blood to all the organs of your body. And when they do a heart transplant, they don't take all the heart out. But what they do is they leave a, a remnant, a small piece of the, of, your, of the old heart inside your body. So the back part of the heart, the, the part that has all the veins and the valves and the arteries, they leave that part. And they only, uh, they, they, re, they remove the, the front part, they leave the back part, and they do the same to the new heart. And then they fuse them together. They, they sew them together. They bring them together. But once you have a new heart, it is important for you to remember that you have a new heart, but you also have part of the old heart. So you have part of the old heart, and then you have part of the new heart. Now, there's a list of requirements. Number one, like I told you guys already, uh, you have to, so money, Money is not an issue. When, when you're going to get a heart transplant, you can't buy a transplant. You can't buy it because that's not ethical. So they, what they do is they put you on a waiting list. And it doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're young and you're old, they go by the waiting list. So you, you can't buy it you know, it's because that's not ethical. So what they do is they, they, they put you on, on, a, on a waiting list. So money is not, a, is not an issue. Uh, another requirement is they, they evaluate, you know, doctors and the doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, they get the patient and they evaluate the patient. And they want to make sure that that patient has the desire to live. Now, let's pretend, you know, it's just hypothetical that my brother here needs a heart. It doesn't matter how much his mom wants him to keep on living or how much his siblings, his brothers and sisters, want him to keep on living or how much, you know, the, the girlfriend or the wife want him to keep on living. That has zero influence on the doctor's. They, they're not going to go uh, by what the mom wants or the sisters want. They want to know that he has a desire to keep on living. They want to know that he wants to keep on living because, like I said, there, there's more, way more people in line waiting to receive a transplant than there, there is givers. There's way more. There's tons of people in the waiting list, and there's very few willing to give. As a matter of fact, about, was it three, four years ago, my nephew passed away. He was waiting for a heart. He was in the waiting list. Uh, he was waiting for a heart, and the heart never came. So he passed away. See, so the doctors, they're not gonna waste, they're not gonna waste a heart on somebody that doesn't wanna keep on living. They're gonna give it to somebody that has the desire to keep on living. So they evaluate the patient and, and they want to make sure. They want to make sure that the patient wants to keep on living. Number two, and just as important, 
is, is this patient willing to take the anti-rejection medicine for the rest of his life? That's very important because naturally your body is always going to try to reject the new heart. It's going to try to fight it. But what the medicine does, it helps, it helps uh, 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 the, the old heart accept the new heart. But you have to take it all the time, every day. It doesn't matter how the patient feels. And I'm using my brother as an example. So he got a new heart. And a month went by. Two months went by. Three months went by. A year went by. And all of a sudden, he feels better. He can't say, you know what? I feel better. I'm going to stop taking the medicine. Can't do that. Doesn't matter how you feel. You have to keep on taking the medicine. It doesn't matter if, if he's like, you know what? Well, I feel better. It's, I think I'll, I'll, I'll do okay without the medicine. You cannot go by your feelings because inside of you, something's happening. If, you, if he stops taking the medicine... Something inside of him is going to start, uh, is going to start his old heart is going to start rejecting the new heart, even though he feels okay. Even though he feels everything's all right, inside there's something happening inside of your body, inside of his body, something's going to be, uh, start rejecting the, the new heart. So you have to take this medicine for the rest of your life. Because if my brother does not take the medicine, you know what's going to happen? He's going to start dying. Even though he feels okay, he's going to start dying. And it's a, it's, it's a process. It's not, he's not just going to stop taking the medicine and die the next day. But it's, it's a slow process. Little by little, his old heart is going to start rejecting the new heart. Until one day, his heart is going to start pumping. And it's just going to give. But it, it's a process. And doctors know this. They, because you know why they know this? Because they've seen it. They've seen it over and over again. People that feel, you know what? I'll do all right without the medicine. So I'll stop taking it. And what happens? Something inside of them starts fighting the new heart. And they start rejecting it. And next thing you know, you lose your life. So that's why there's these two requirements uh, that are very important. Uh, they want to make sure that you have a desire to live. And number two, they want to make sure that you're going to take the anti-rejection medicine for the rest of your life. What are those two things? Number one, what's the number one requirement? That you have a desire to live. And number two, what is it? That you're going to take, that you're going to have that commitment, the discipline to take this medicine every day, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think. You have to have this discipline this, uh, uh, to take uh, this medicine for the rest of your life. And uh, I believe that God... Today is asking us these two questions because we read the, the scripture and God gave us what? A new heart. Remember what I told you when they do a transplant, they leave, they leave part of the old heart, the back part of the heart, they leave it and they join it together with the new heart. Well, in our spiritual life is the same thing happens. 
God gives you a new heart, but there's also part of the old man. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those things I do. Because Paul understood that he, uh, yeah, he had a new heart, but he also had this, the flesh. And the flesh has fleshy desires. Just because God gave you a new heart does not mean that you will no longer have temptations. No, you will have temptations. It does not mean that you will not have uh, earthly desires. No, you will have earthly desires. You will have temptations. You will have cravings. And that is why uh, Paul said, because uh, he understood that, yeah, God gave him a new, a new heart. But he also had part of the old man in him. See, and that's called uh, sanctification. When you're saved, God, uh, God gives you a new life, a new heart. But for the rest of your life, he's going to be sanctifying you every day. In other words, making you a better person, more Christ-like every day. But it's a process. You don't just uh, get baptized and come up and, and you, all of a sudden you're an angel. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. It, it's a process. It's a process. Every day God sanctifies you. It's a process. And you must have a desire because God gave you a new life. He gave you a new heart. And number one, you must have that desire to not want to die, to want to live, but live spiritually, not physically. Because who cares if you die physically? I don't fear the physical death because. There is nothing worse than dying spiritually. That's the worst thing that could happen to you. My, my mother-in-law passed away physically. But you know what? She's in a better place right now because she served the Lord. Because spiritually, she did not die. She died physically, but spiritually, she's with the Lord now. So don't fear physical death. Fear spiritual death. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And we have to have a desire to want to live, but not live physically, but want to live spiritually. Like in other words, God, uh, remember when you first got baptized and you wanted to serve God and you just wanted to evangelize and you just wanted to uh, give him your all? Don't lose that desire. Don't lose it. Because once you start losing that, that means that you're starting to die spiritually. And that is the worst thing that could happen to you when you start dying spiritually. There is nothing uh, worse or terrible than a man or a woman that has experienced God's grace, God's presence. And all of a sudden you lose that. And then you backslide and you go back into the world. There is nothing more sad than that. Because after you have experienced God's presence, God's grace, God's love, and then you go back, that is the worst thing that could happen to you. Because there is nothing greater than God's love. There is nothing greater than God's presence. I'm going to tell you something. The world could give you many things, many pleasures, but all those pleasures are temporary. They will make you feel good for a while. 
But then that, that, that the high that the drug gave you or, or the buzz that the alcohol gave you, it will pass away. It will make you feel good for a little bit. But then you'll wake up and you're like, man, where, where did that feeling go? But the peace that God gives you, that's eternal. That does not die. That's eternal. And that's what God is asking. Don't lose that desire to live. Because there is nothing worse that could happen to you than if you die spiritually. That is the worst thing that could happen to a man. Number two, God is asking tonight, I gave you a new heart. But are you willing to take the medicine every day? Every day, are you willing to take the medicine so that your old man, the flesh, does not want to reject what God gave you? And what is that medicine? There is two things that you have to take every day. Prayer and the word of God. That's your medicine. That is the anti-rejection medicine. Remember, there's a, an old man inside of you. There's an old woman inside of you that is going to want to reject what God gave you. The new heart that God gave you. And it is only if you take the anti-rejection medicine every day. Remember what I said. It doesn't matter how you feel. Well, you know what? I feel good. I don't feel like I need to pray. I don't feel like I need to read the word. It doesn't matter what you feel. It, it, you just have to take it every day. Whether you like it or not, you just have to take it. Because if you don't, that old man, that old heart is going to start rejecting the new heart. And next thing you know, something's going to be happening inside of you. Without, little by little. You're going to start, you know, the, the, the sermon is going to turn, become monotonous. You know what? Uh, you're going to start getting bored in church. You're going to start not wanting to lift your hands. And, and you're going to be like, you know what? I ain't going to church no more today. I'll, I'll go next week. And, and it's just little by little. Your old heart starts rejecting the new heart. And next thing you know, you start dying spiritually. So you must, you must take this medicine every day, the word of God. I don't know if there are the musicians here. I'm going to ask you to come up. I don't know if the praise team is here. Uh, they could come up right now. So it is necessary that you take this medicine every day. Because if you don't, I will tell you that you will start dying. Prayer transforms you prayer cleanses you prayer purifies you you can't fight this fight on your own you can't fight this fight with your own strength that's what the bible says it is not by might nor by power but by his spirit if you don't take this medicine you won't be able to fight and, and, and you, you, you're going to start, your, your, your old man is going to start rejecting the new heart that God gave you. So you have to take this medicine. Don't lose that desire, the first love that God gave you. Don't lose that. The word of God also gives you strength. When God was tempted, 
Remember when God was tempted? He was fasting and praying, and then he was tempted. What did he tell the devil? It is written. It is written. Every time he was tempted, he told the devil, it is written. In other words, he, he used the word of God. It is the word of God that's going to help you conquer and, and defeat your three enemies. Who are your three enemies? The world. The flesh. And the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And I'm going to tell you something. You won't be able to fight these three enemies on your own. You're not. Because we're weak. But if we have Christ in us, I can do all things through Christ. Nothing is impossible with God. God will give me the strength when he fills me with the Holy Ghost, when I get the word of God, and when I pray and I fast. See, that's, that's the medicine. That's the anti-rejection medicine. And you have to take it every day. Every day. I'm going to read a scripture. I want to read Matthew 21, 18 and 19. Sister, can you put up Matthew 21, 18 and 19? And I'll be closing with this. Now, and it's talking about Jesus right here. This scripture is talking about Jesus Christ. Now, in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was what? He was what? Who was hungry? Jesus. Next verse, sister. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but what? Leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig, the fig tree withered away. It got rotten. The next verse, sister. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? See, this scripture right here has two applications. Uh, the fig tree, how many of you guys know what a fig tree is? You know, have you guys ever had figs? Fig marmalade? <laughs> it's delicious, right? God, Jesus was hungry, the Bible says. He was hungry. So he saw a fig tree and he went to it because he was hungry. See, you got to understand one thing. The fig tree in Jerusalem, figs, fig trees grow a lot because of the weather. They grow a lot. And the one thing about fig trees is this. Whenever the tree gave fruit... The fruit always came first, then the leaves, or the fruit came out together with the leaves, but never, never did the leaves come first, then the fruit. Never. It was always the fig, the fruit with the leaves together, or the fruit first, then the leaves, but never the leaves came first, then the fruit. Never. And see, Christ here saw a fig tree with tons of leaves. So he assumed that because there were leaves on the tree, 
that there was what? Fruit. Because the, the process was that whenever there was leaves, naturally there would be fruit. So that's why Christ walked to the fig tree. Because he thought that tree had fruit because of the leaves. Because of the amount of leaves. See, and this scripture has two applications. Uh, when Jesus Christ came, Israel, his people, the Pharisees. You know what the Pharisees would do? They would pray in public and they'll be like, God, thank you because I'm not like them. Thank you, Lord, because I'm just and because I'm a good man. And they would fast and they, and they wanted people to see that they fasted. So people thought that the Pharisees were holy people. But when Christ saw them, he said, you know what? You're a fig tree and you got nothing but leaves. There's no fruit in you. There's leaves. The leaves represent appearance. It was just an appearance that they were holy. But Christ saw way beyond that. And he saw their hearts. And their hearts were filthy and dirty and perverse. And see, so that's the first application. The second application is for us. We're fig trees. And Christ is hungry. He's hungry for fruit. And the Bible says, you shall know them by what? By their fruits. See, I could pretend to be holy. I could dress all nice and I could carry my Bible and I could make you think that I'm holy. I could make you think that I'm a good man. I could make you think that I fast, that I pray. I could fool you. But you know who I can't fool? Christ, because he sees beyond that. And Christ is looking for fig trees that have fruits. You can't, you can't make God, you can't fool God. You come up here and jump and raise your hand and, and, and shout amen. But God sees beyond that. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. As a matter of fact, there's many here that have secrets that you've never told anyone. Not even your wife or your husband. But you know who knows those secrets? Christ. There's nothing that you could hide from him. You could go to the highest to the end of the mountain, to the highest mountain. And you know who's there? Christ. You could go to the deepest part of the ocean. And you know who's there? Christ. You can't hide from Christ. You can't fool Christ. He sees beyond. And that's why he cursed the tree. And the tree withered. It got rotten. The tree did not wither because it did not, because it wasn't producing fruit. You know why it withered? Because it was appearing to give fruit. Because it was acting like, like, it was trying to fool people. The tree was trying to fool people. It was trying to make people feel that it had fruits. So it wasn't because it wasn't given fruit. It was because of the appearance of having fruit, but yet having none. And see, you can't fool God. You can't fool Christ. 
You can fool me, you can fool the pastor, but you can't fool Christ. He sees beyond the appearances. He sees beyond the show, the clothes, and, and the appearances. He sees the heart. And see, God gave you a new heart. He gave you a new heart, the Bible says in Ezekiel. But there's an old, a piece of your old heart inside of you. And if you're not careful, if you lose the desire to live spiritually, or if you stop taking this medicine, your old heart is going to take over and it's going to reject the new heart. And there is nothing more sad than that. Because after, after you have experienced God's presence and, and His love, His mercy, and His grace, and then you go back, the Bible compares that person to a dog that goes, that goes back to his vomit. After you experience God and you go back, the Bible compares that to a man, a dog that goes back to his vomit. So let's get on our feet and let's, let's tell God, God, I don't want to lose that desire to live spiritually, God. I want to take this medicine every day, Lord. There is nothing more precious than God's grace, God's love. And if you haven't, if there's anybody here that hasn't experienced that, I invite you that you just, you don't need to know how to pray. You don't need to know how to have an eloquent prayer. All you need to do is tell God, you know what, God, if you're real, I'm here and show me that you're real. That's all it takes. You don't need to have an eloquent prayer or eloquent words. All it takes, this is, this is how I came to God. In 1993, I told God, if you're real, show me. That was my prayer. And, and boy, did he show me. Because God is real. Challenge God. I dare you to challenge God. I dare you to tell God, if you're real, show me. And he will show up. Because I serve a mighty God. I'm going to open this altar. And I'm going to invite you to come up here. And just tell God in your own words. God, I want you. I need you. I love you, God. Give me back my first love, Lord. Maybe I haven't served you like I should. Maybe I'm fooling the brothers, the sisters. But I, can't, I know I can't fool you, God. Because I know see, you see beyond the appearances. You see beyond the clothes and beyond the, the raising of the hand and the shouting. He sees beyond all that. Let's be transparent with God this morning. Si hay alguien aquí que quiere pasar este altar, este altar está abierto. Yo te invito que vengas y abras tu corazón a Dios. Open your heart to God. And just tell him, God, I am right here, Lord. I want to know you, God. I've heard about you, but I want to know you. I want to know what this is all about. I want to experience this love that I've heard about so much. Show me, God. If you're real, God, show me. I need you, Lord. 
There is nothing impossible for my God. There is nothing that He can't do. He can do all things. If you have a need this morning, leave it here on this altar. Tell them, God, I have this need. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. But I, I'm going to leave my problems here in this altar, God. Just be honest with them. Tell them, I need you, God. I need you. I've tried it my way, and it hasn't worked. I'm done doing it my way. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of doing it my way. I need you, God. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. He's here. Don't leave without your blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. We serve a merciful God. Oh, yes, Jesus. He died for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. It is not a coincidence that you're here today. He knew you were going to be here today because He died for you 2,000 years ago. Yes, He did because He loved you. When He was being crucified, you were on His mind. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Bless this young man, Jesus. Bless this young man, Jesus. Bless him. Yes, Jesus. He is my Put a protection around this young man, Lord. Protect him. Be with him always, God. Oh, yes, Jesus. Bless this young woman, Jesus. Bless her, Lord. Hallelujah. You love her so much, God. You die for her. You gave your life for her, Jesus, because she's special to you. Bless her, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.